The Priestess and the Cauldron, a podcast featuring Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay, two out-of-the-room-closet professional witches with over 70 years' combined experience of making magic. This is a show on the LMC Radio Network. During each show, Elvira and Phoenix will help you create rituals, make spells, make potions, and much more besides. They'll spend time speaking about different goddesses from all over the world, paying attention to the ancient reverence of long-ago cultures and infusing it with a modern perspective. Elvira, Phoenix, take it away. Hey, that's us. We are here. We're here. Yay. It's Friday. By gosh. T-G-I-F. Thank God it's Friday. Yeah. Yeah. So, a week of interesting events and things that we have all experienced. What was your week like? Well, Elvira, let's, <laughs> let's see here. I mentioned earlier when we were checking in before the show started that it's been a little hectic. That's true. You see, I have this tendency to overschedule myself. No, really? Yeah. <sighs> And the older I get, the less I can hold. Does that make sense? And it's actually not true. I can hold a whole hell of a lot. It's uh, the less I, I, I want to hold because I recognize certain things, even when I'm not actively doing something, like milk and honey. Right. Even though I'm not there right now uh-huh. and I wasn't on shift, quote, unquote, today, right. I'm still holding the energy of that shot. You are. Constantly. Mm-hmm. Right. So... I have a lot on my plate in the next few weeks, and so I decided to rearrange my schedule a little bit, and I'm actually taking Memorial Day off. <gasps> I am. I got someone to work for me at the shop, Okay. and my daughter doesn't have school, and my partner doesn't have work, and I'm going to go to the beach and take a, a relaxation day. Oh, my goodness. Because if I don't, I, I, might, I might have bad consequences from not having some self-care. That's true. Yeah, can be very true. Yeah. But we had our goddess gathering last night with the Welsh goddess Bronwyn, mm-hmm. and it was so potent. Mm-hmm. So potent. It's one of my top five goddess gatherings ever, just mm-hmm. based on how people connected to this goddess. Wow. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. And on Tuesday, I'm doing a candle magic shop, workshop, mm-hmm. candle magic workshop, <laughs> which is always fun. Candle magic's my favorite, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's... Uh, so simple and yet powerful mm-hmm. that I love sharing it with people. Mm-hmm. So we mm-hmm. have, I think I have 16 people signed up right wow. now. Wow. Yeah, so that's about my maximum. Otherwise, I'm going to run out of supplies. <laughs> 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 but I, I'm yeah. feeling good. I just yeah. recognized I needed a day off, and I am. Yeah. I was proactive. On good, it. good. How about you? Oh, well, heck. Um, you know, it's been... It was a week of intense energies, and it was sometimes more swirling around me than actually my thing happening, and I realized how much I have spent time, and I think we discussed this before the show as well, um, being external, being either engaged in... uh, the radio show here or being a, you know, counselor and a reader and 
doing different things with family members and family and then, of course, all the things that go on with, you know, my community that I have. And I realized how I wasn't taking care of another side of myself, which is the listening side. Right. Which is, we would call it the student side if we were looking at, like, well, we've been the teacher and now we're the student. And I came to some interesting conclusions having, shall we say, spirit and other entities um, get my attention to that through various little things that happened in the last week and a half. So my week has been... Uh, ruminating on things, uh, following through on little details that I had to for obvious reasons for people and things, but mostly looking at where I'm going to start shifting, like you, some of the things that I do. Self-care. Self-care. And I know that the next few weeks, based on what I know you've got, what I've got, and the conjecture of how we're going to keep our radio show going yeah. is also part of, you know, my, oh, my gosh, we got to, you know, right. keep things going. But I realized that there needs to be spaces in between. Yeah. Elvira and I read at grad nights. Yes. So this, as you can imagine, at the beginning of June, there are a lot of graduations. <laughs> yes. And we were actually hired for a whole new grad night this year. So we have a weekend of reading for 18-year-olds who just graduated, and it is Intense. Oh, yes. It's intense. It's fun and it's intense. And it's because you get a chance to see yeah. this is at the beginning without so yeah. many layers. But it, it, it's, a, it's a transition that yeah. every single person we read for is in the middle of. Oh, yes. It's so, it's amazing and it's exhausting. Yeah. So it's fun, but yeah. Yeah, we're, we're, we're trying to. Feeling ourselves <laughs> for the weekend to come. True, true. And, and of course, continue our regular schedule right. as programmed. Right, right. So um, that's been my week. That's what I'm prepping for. Obviously, unique things like cars and different things mm-hmm. that have come up and down add a little bit of, you know, spice, shall we say, to try uh-huh. to keep it humorous. But I had my interesting time with our topic tonight. Yes. Which tonight we start our tradition series. Yes. And with da 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 Gerald Gardner. What? What? Yeah. <laughs> Gardnerian Wicca. Yes. Old Uncle Jerry. Yep. Boy. And there's a lot to be said, and there's a lot of of strong feelings about Gerald Gardner, and there's a lot of assumptions made about Gerald Gardner, and there's a lot of weird shit about Gerald Gardner. Yes, yes, there is all kinds of weird. And interesting enough, as we will have to now say, the Gardnerian tradition is initiatory. It is considered secretive. You, you do not talk about this. Right. So many things are part of people who may have broken that oath right. or conjecture. Right, right. So we've got a lot here to kind of wander yeah. through. And so with, with to kind of expand on what Elvira mm-hmm. just said, right, so if you are a Gardnerian Wiccan, mm-hmm. the only way that you can hold that title and say, I am a Gardnerian Wiccan 
is to have been initiated into a Gardnerian Wiccan uh-huh. tradition uh-huh. by a high priest and high priestess with witnesses present. There's a there is a protocol. Exactly. And what happens in those rituals and what happens in those ceremonies and who is in your coven is considered oathbound. Right. You are not allowed to talk about it. Right. So. Elvira and I have obviously have done some research, and we're going to talk about Gerald Gardner's life, and we're going to talk about the, the basic information about Gardnerian Wicca, uh-huh. but the specifics and uh-huh. the intimate details and the, you know, the things that you find online, we don't know whether someone broke their oath and posted it online uh-huh. or whether that's allowed to be common knowledge. So right. as a respect to the Gardnerian tradition, we're going to be cautious right. about what we talk about. Right. Uh, and to be totally transparent, I am a Gardnerian Wicca. I'm a uh-huh. first degree. I'm just a little baby witch in the uh-huh. Gardnerian tradition. But I will not be talking about any of the practices. You can't. No. And I, and or she I, will go poof at the end of my table and yeah. leave a pretty bad mess. Yeah. Yeah. My high priestess and high priest would kick my ass. <laughs> No, and I, I, yeah. do you take an, if you take an oath to secrecy, uh-huh. whether it's in the Gardnerian tradition or anything else, you have to honor that uh-huh. that oath. Uh-huh. It's, it's to me when people swear on the Bible, that means absolutely nothing. I'll swear I'll swear on the Bible all day and be lying my face off. It doesn't mean shit to me because it's not part of what you held right. as the true sacred right. point of reference. Right, but if you if I take an oath and I take that oath from my heart and I say that I will abide by those oaths that I've sworn to, then uh-huh. I'm going to honor that. Uh-huh. So I wanted to be transparent about that. Uh, and most, and because I'm a first degree, I don't really know anything anyway. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And we will probably try to quickly, you know, we will also go through some of the things, you know, about the, the degrees, yeah. you know, that are... Huh? You let me talk about that, so she, nobody can go back on her. Right. Yes. Because I honestly, I'm a first degree, so I only know a very tiny, tiny little uh-huh. bit. Uh-huh. I don't know any of the other stuff. I mean, it's the time of teaching. Yeah. Meaning you're the student yeah. and, and they're the teachers. Absolutely. So technically. And as you grow in degrees, you uh-huh. grow in the knowledge and access and information. Uh-huh. And and so I I don't have that much uh-huh. to talk about. And I'm not a oath bound. Right. So I don't, my information will be from different sources, whether they are, again, real or not, or that are, you know, there are oath breakers, Dorian Valente, and, of course, um, Janet and Stuart Farrar, and yep. certain people that have written fairly extensively on the And there is a lot of people who have written extensively on it, on the tradition and on Gerald Gardner mm-hmm. himself. Um, and there are two different quite well-known folks who did um, biographies on him, one of them being Philip Heselton, mm-hmm. two-volume biography of Gardner, which is called Witch Father. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a, oh, maybe there's not two names here. The other name I have is Ethan Doyle White, but it looks like he reviewed this biography, not that he wrote another mm-hmm. Um, so it's probably the only real official biography then? Yeah. yeah. Philip Heselton. Yeah. 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 So let's go into, like, dates and experiences so okay. we can give chronology. Yes. Okay. So back in the way back time when before there was long time, ago. long, long ago, in a land far, far away, a man named Gerald 
Rousseau Gardner was born in yes. 1884. Yep. Right? Yep. So that's a long time ago. That is a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And I, did I, I, okay, if I said this already, tell me I said this already. Okay. But we're talking, the reason we're talking about Gerald Gardner is because he's the founder of the Gardnerian tradition. Yes. Right? And it is believed that he is the, the father of what modern witchcraft looks like. Exactly. Wicca. Yeah. That word Wicca and the tradition of Wicca, some folks ascribe to him bringing it more into the mainstream. Right. 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 And that, and some folks believe Wicca didn't exist before Gerald Gardner, and that he kind of made it all up. Made it up. And we'll talk about that more. Right. But that's why we're going to discuss Gerald Gardner is because you can follow very clearly the roots of a lot of British traditional witchcraft systems, mm-hmm. and obviously the Gardnerian witchcraft system, mm-hmm. right back to Gerald Gardner. Right. And what happened before him is up for negotiation. Exactly. An argument. In our, yeah. And conjecture. Because among other things, and we will, this is sort of jumping a tad ahead, mm-hmm. but not really, 1951 in England, they repealed the witchcraft Act, right, which allowed people to publicly talk about and bring forth being obviously a witch. Right. And keep in mind, the Witchcraft Act was originally put into place in 1736. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So for hundreds of years, witchcraft was illegal. Right. And then the very same year that they repealed the Witchcraft Act, all of a sudden, Gerald Gardner, well, 19... 19- 54 is when Witchcraft Today was published. Right. All of a sudden, there's published books about right. the secret cults of witchcraft. Right. And oh. see, he did publish. Well, okay, so 1930, approximately, yeah. check out my dates, yeah. um, he claimed that he discovered a coven in England and he, that followed the old rays, and he basically was trying to get initiated and, and into that. And then I will let you go with what that meant, who it was, Dorothy and... Dorothy Clutterbuck. Well, let's back up a little okay. bit, right? So what the one thing I wanted to say about Gerald Gardner is he was from an upper-middle-class family, mm-hmm. and he was kind of a sickly kid. Mm-hmm. And so his family moved around to very tropical climates mm-hmm. to help him with his asthma and bronchitis. Right. So he was connected to a very alternative way of being in the world mm-hmm. because a lot of where they lived was in um, Malaya, mm-hmm. right? So that's very, very different right. than England. Right. So he was exposed to people who still lived a very tribal life, to people who still uh, did deity worship mm-hmm. on a daily basis, mm-hmm. right? Who's, right. They would wake up in the morning, and, and they still do this in Bali. You wake <laughs> up in the morning, you make your prayer charms and your offerings, the wife does this. She makes the meal for her husband. She gives, this is very traditional, she gives him all of the things. And on his way to work, he stops at shrines all along the way and leaves offerings and says prayers. Okay. Working with spirit and exactly. deity part of everyday life. Yeah. yeah. So he spent his formative years in this kind of environment. Mm-hmm. And as he grew up, he continued to be curious about magic and spirituality mm-hmm. and the spirit world mm-hmm. and all of that. Mm-hmm. He was a, in the Rosicrucian, right. right, and the OTO, which are these, um, well, the Rosicrucians, yeah. right? So yeah. these are 
mystery traditions, cult traditions mm-hmm. that study esoteric stuff, mm-hmm. right? So even before this supposed New Forest Coven, right. the Clutterbuck and all of this crap, before all of that, he really was interested in the esoteric. Right. 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 So, blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. So he obviously got initiated, and he started, you know, practicing with Dorothy. And from there, he wrote a book. Yes. But it was a book that was basically a fiction book. It was a story, and it was called High Magic's Aid. Yes. And that was before, obviously, as we said, before the point of reference of being public about what you did. Right. So do you have anything else, you know, within those early years that you would like to share about his life? Well, sure. Okay. Sure. Well, being involved with the Rosicrucian Order, he had access to a lot of esoteric materials and Uh did a lot of studying mm-hmm. um, with these materials, and he actually found himself really dissatisfied, supposedly, with the Rosicrucian order. He just, my uh, extrapolation of this is that he wanted to be doing more magic and not just so much study of. Right. Right. He wanted right. to be hands-on. And there were other people involved with the Rosicrucian order that were not as considered, um they weren't as good society people, oh, I right? They were a little bit lower down on the economic scale. <laughs> and they actually were very interested in the magic. Mm-hmm. And he started to connect with these people that he would probably not have known because of their difference of society right. status. Um there was a few other things. Oh, then there's all these war things starting to happen. Oh, yes. In the yes. in the late 30s and early 40s. And mm-hmm. he starts getting involved as a civil servant. He, As an adult, he moves back to England, mm-hmm. obviously, and that's where he got involved with the Rosicrucian. Right. But he gets very involved with um, the the volunteers, uh, the air raid precaution folks, the mm-hmm. local defense volunteers, the mm-hmm. home guard. Mm-hmm. He actually was turned away from joining the military because of his, his health. His health. Right. Um, and there were these these um, practices of, of using magic as a weapon. Mm-hmm. And there's a very famous story of all of these magicians doing magic on the shores of of England mm-hmm. to stop the Germans from invading. Mm-hmm. They didn't. Yes. The Germans did not invade. Um, so you have all of this this stuff with him being involved and then that it's the early 40s is when he supposedly got introduced to the new forest coven um but there's also this thread in here that comes and goes and is mentioned in several different places about him being a nudist yes they call them natural naturalists naturalists yes naturists nudists naturalists he liked to be naked with other people in just regular circumstances. That's it, right? Mm-hmm. So that's something to remember, um, that he, especially for the time, that was a bit odd. That was very risque, very off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in one of the things I read, his doctor suggested that he become a nudist because of his many health problems. Yes. That, that taking in the clean air and being unencumbered by one's clothes <laughs> could help his health, which I freaking love. <laughs> well, you know, 
it's been a long-standing process that you know the the, the fact that our pores need to breathe. Yeah. Yes. So and for uh, during this time, so he kind of travels a lot. Mm-hmm. He goes all over. He spends some time on Cyprus. The, mm-hmm. the the island in the Mediterranean, mm-hmm. and writes a book called A Goddess Arrives. Mm-hmm. He has what he believes, well, he helps it to be written, but he kind of has a past life experience. Mm-hmm. He believes he was on Cyprus. He mm-hmm. believes that he existed during this time and has all these past life memories and wrote this book about it. Right. Uh, and, you know. And the woman he went to Cyprus with, Edith, Edith Woodford Grimes, um, who he called Daffo. That was her nickname, which doesn't make any sense to me. No, but okay. She supposedly is the one that introduced him to Dorothy. Right. Clutterbuck. Clutterbuck. Old Dorothy. And apparently, old Dorothy was a, a witch. Mm-hmm. She was a witch in the woods who came from a long line of hereditary witches Mm -hmm. who had been supposedly practicing this specific tradition since the burning times. Right. And the belief and the story that was spun, and my very humble opinion is that this story is crap. Mm -hmm. However, there's lots of people who believe this story. Mm -hmm. That is so okay. Mm -hmm. I hold no judgment for people's Mm -hmm. beliefs. She's very open. Yes. (laughs) I am okay. You can believe things that I don't believe. It's all fabulous. Yes. But the the story that is spun is that there was there's been an underground grove coven lineage of witches since the beginning of time that have been mm-hmm. hiding their practices in these secret rituals and ceremonies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Gerald Gardner became one initiate in a long line of initiates. Mm-hmm. But then he wrote a book and made it famous. He, the witchcraft law finally is repealed, right. and Gerald goes, finally, my people can be free. Yes. I'm sure the economics had nothing to do with it. Oh, heck no. And Dorothea didn't really like that idea. She was not happy about it going public at all. There was actually several members of their coven mm-hmm. that were not happy about how public Gerald wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. there were concerns that maybe his desire to get fame was bigger than his desire to be a witch. Right. 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 So we have that. We have the fact that obviously that starts a whole momentum. Yeah. And he actually, um, I think, what, in in, um, 1954, Witchcraft Today, Mm -hmm. 1959, Meaning of Witchcraft. I mean, he wrote a few more. He got prolific there. Yeah. And these are, most of these books are still readily available. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they've not they've gone into the shadows. I think I have witchcraft today. Yes, I, I so do I. Read it, but I have it. I'm a terrible well, gardener. Well, I mean, come on. There's just so many things here we can do. Um, but, you know, it's interesting because when he did break the silence, it's interesting that he broke the silence to create this thing, which then you have to be silent about. Right. Well, and that's the thing, right? So to fast forward, because all of this is happening in the 50s. Right. Let's fast forward to the 90s and early 2000s, and we look at the fairy tradition, which right. we're going to talk about in a couple of weeks. Right. Victor, Victor and Cora Anderson created this tradition mm-hmm. that you supposedly weren't allowed to talk about unless you were talking about it with initiates. Right. And then people go and write books about it. Right. 
and now all of this initiate-only information is available to the masses. Right, right. So, yeah. again, I mean, if it's if it's well, I mean, the Masonics, you have certain things that are secretive and there are certain things that are public. Right. Um, and I think that it will stay that way with organizations, whatever they are, whether they're larger organizations or they're covered. And the OTO is like that, too, yes. right? And I think I'm going to make a big assumption here and go out on a limb and say something that could be total bullshit, but whatever. Um <laughs> I think if you do get involved with a secret organization or an uh-huh. initiatory organization uh-huh. where you are required to jump through these hoops to get this information, uh-huh. the further you get in that ladder, the further up that ladder uh-huh. you move, the further you get along that path, the more you start to understand the reason uh-huh. right, for the secrecy, uh-huh. the more you start to understand the reason for taking that oath and why you keep it quiet. As a first degree, I don't know anything. Mm-hmm. So I've taken an oath and I honor that oath, but I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Not every, and, no, well, I was about to say something. I'm not going to say it. But so far, nothing's been surprising. Mm-hmm. Let me say it that way. Mm-hmm. I have not had any experiences where I was like, well, that I've never seen before. Right. Right? But I don't have any doubts that as I get further along, Mm-hmm. And if I decide to become a second degree and if I decide to become a third degree and follow along this path, no doubt I will be exposed to things where I go, oh, that's why, da-da-da-da-da, looking yeah. backwards. And yeah. it's the same with the Rosicrucian mm-hmm. and the Freemasons. Mm-hmm. The further you yeah. get in the lineage, the more you understand why it's important to keep it quiet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My husband, my deceased husband, Matt, was a um, 11th. 11th degree. Yeah. And he's very proud Mason? of that. Um, Rosicrucian. Okay. Rosicrucian. And interesting enough is he has, he which I have no idea why, but he gave me a certificate how he got this, I don't know, of a 33rd mm. degree Rosicrucian. Yeah. Which technically is non-existent. Oh. You know. So anyway, these things are, but again, whether or not they are existent in paper or not, I understand why. Yeah. Because you learn to work with the non-physical energies. And, you know, the thing about, I, I use this more, is that a little kid wants an, a fire truck, but he wants a real fire truck, and he's five years old, and, you know, versus a toy fire truck and then he grows up and he becomes a fireman and he gets a real fire truck by then he has gone through enough to know how to handle what's on the fire truck and see that's what i see the reasoning for the process exactly and i i accept that i personally have chosen other ways to find the things that i needed to know in the way i did but i do see yeah how this is valid and why yeah and but. there is, you know, the 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 hope, for my hope, with anyone who gets involved with paganism or Wicca uh-huh. or witchcraft, is not that they are power hungry. Uh-huh. Right? My hope is that people are also doing work on themselves, right? Working to heal their wounds, working to become friends with their shadow self, right? Right. Because that is really what makes you powerful. And uh-huh. if what you are seeking is just the power, that is when 
things can go sideways. Right. That is when people become tyrants or that is when, you know, hierarchy is not necessarily a bad thing. Mm-hmm. You know, in my reclaiming tradition, everything's not hierarchical. But you want someone with experience to lead the trance. You don't want the person who this is their first ritual to lead the trance. Exactly. So there is something to be said about experience and putting time in and mm-hmm. learning. Mm-hmm. There is, there, there's something to that. There's a reason we do it that way. We train. There's a training. Yes. So obviously this process, it's been, um, there's a lot of controversy as to how he put things out there. Yeah. Where did he get things right. for the different, um, it was fun because I was going through some of the stuff and I was looking at this going, oh, Dorian, um, Doreen Valente, mm-hmm. very interesting woman. She was very much a part of helping him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think she has more, I think she doesn't get enough credit. No, she for, doesn't. For what, for what she wrote and what she guided him through and how she put things together. And, you know, um, of course, maybe I could get feminist here and say, well, the times, they weren't a changing at that point. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Well, look at the 1950s, mm-hmm. the the birth of modern witchcraft. Right. Right? It's still very patriarchal. And then as time goes, I mean, we're still in a patriarchal society, but then... You look as time goes on, as we get into the 60s and 70s, mm-hmm. is when that feminist wave right. really hits witchcraft. Right. And then it, the goddess becomes a big part mm-hmm. of witchcraft and feminist process. And see Budapest and Starhawk and all of these mm-hmm. women voices really start to right. become huge influences. Diane, Diane Stein. Right. Yes. Some of the, the, the people that started moving that process yeah. forward. And That's when Dianic witchcraft was born. Born. Right. Literally. It was in... It was it directly in relation to the fact that all of these stuffy old white men mm-hmm. created this system. And, and in a little bit after the break at some point, we'll talk about why it seems like pervy old white men created it. these systems, right? Yeah. I, I want to be real about it. Yeah. There's some weird pervy shit in yeah. the Gardnerians. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, oh, and I will... I've had some interesting accusations against him. Right. Yeah. So, and I know... Okay, so we got some, you know, people that have... He's taken things from, um, oh. you know, uh, the Leland and Aradia yeah. and, you know, the, the the whole process of the charge of the goddess and all these things that were part, that became part of what was we know of right. externally of the Gardnerian were things that were pulled in different places. Yeah. So as much as it's a tradition, which is interesting, it's just come to me, a tradition that has all of these things, and we go along, we go along doing it the same way, same way. But then what you do is you get something like this that adds pieces here and there. Right. What you're doing is you're basically the evolution of the species. Right. The evolution of witchcraft. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. And my opinion is, and this is why I'm involved with Gardnerian, you know, let's say it was invented in mm-hmm. 1950, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's just say that. Mm-hmm. It's 2017 presently. Mm-hmm. So this is an almost 70-year-old tradition. Right. Right. Which doesn't sound like a lot, but it actually is if you look at the fact that it's an initiatory-only system. Mm-hmm. And there are still people who can trace their lineage back to Gerald Gardner, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That you can, and it's not like 40 generations back. Right. It's, it's like 10. Yeah. You can trace yourself right back to Gerald Gardner. Right. And, and it continues 
to grow, and it continues to be a thing, and it continues mm-hmm. to thrive. Mm-hmm. So there is something to it. Exactly. If there is something to it. Exactly. It's very much, and you were saying that in my mind, I'm going to jump off on another tangent. Sure. Um, is it's very much like the Reiki tradition. Right. Okay. And when it came about and the, the was it Uzami uh, lineage, and, you know, there's a couple of lineages, and, you know, you trace it back, you get initiated, go through the three stages, blah, 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 you know, that kind of thing. And as it became more popular, it became more written about, it became more out there, and then, you know, we have this other part that, same thing with the Gardnerian, it's, it's, it was an ancient Shinto process, right? but right. it comes, it got modernized, it, got modernized. Yeah. it was, a, it was given more substance from where we are, because, you know, I mean, most of the people that are indigenous, they don't need to have an intellectual understanding right. that they can talk about between each other. Right. They know it. Yeah. They feel it. Yeah. yeah. You know. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Okay. So do we want to take a break? Yeah, let's take a break and then okay. we'll come back and talk more about old Jerry. <laughs> old Jerry. All right. You're listening to The Witch, The Priestess, and The Cauldron, a radio podcast on the LMC Radio Network. Stay tuned, as more magic is coming your way right after these messages. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hooter Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Contraman Ollie, Sundays 3 to 4.30, Kendalo's Corner with Kendalo Kandisa, Michael Carell, and Lady A, Mondays 5 to 7, The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays 5 to 6, In the Streets with Beverly Smith, Tuesdays 6 to 7, On Sacred Ground with Kai Armand and Paige the Fearyu, Wednesdays 3 to 4.30, Fit and Foxy with Madame Nadia and Jaya Danya, Wednesdays 6 to 7. The Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, Thursdays 6 to 7.30. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Lafay, Fridays 6 to 7. And Liquid Libations with Andrea Weston, Saturdays 5 to 7. All Times Pacific, Add 3 Hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. Whoa, that was quick. quick. Yeah. Okay, so quickly, mm-hmm. some interesting things and contemporaries of Mr. Gardner. Mm-hmm. So in the late 40s, early 50s, when he was an active member of the New Forest Coven, mm-hmm. he also had a flat in London, right? So he would travel out into the countryside and do these wacky rituals, and then he would go to London, mm-hmm. and he would regularly visit the Spieltlots which was a nudist club. Hmm. At the nudist club, <laughs> he met Ross Nichols. Do you know who Ross Nichols is? Oh, my. He was very interested in Druidry and later founded the OBOD. <gasps> the OBOD is the Order of Bards, Obates, and Druids. Right. So if you've ever researched anything Druid-related, you've come across the OBOD. Uh-huh. It's a huge organization now. Uh-huh. They have chapters all over the world, literally. Uh-huh. And you can sign into their chat rooms 
without being a member mm-hmm. and talk with folks and ask questions and learn about Druidry. Mm-hmm. If you become a member, then you get a little bit more access and you can, you know, join a grove and right. that. Right. It's a great organization. Hmm. But I had no idea that the founder of the OBOD was also a nude lover <laughs> and that him and Gerald Gardner knew each other and they met at the nude colony. Oh, my goodness. I freaking love it. It <laughs> cracks me up. So during this time, he spent a, um, a lot of time with his coven, learning new things, and he really got involved with nudism. Mm-hmm. He bought a plot of land called Four Acres in Hertfordshire. Okay. And, and turned it into a nudist club. Mm-hmm. And he was actively involved in recruiting people. Um, he was friends with the Christian mystic J.S.M. Ward. Mm-hmm. If you've ever heard of that mystic person um, who had created Britain's first open-air museum. Oh, my. So these are also pretty wealthy folks that he became from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he did a lot of learning uh, around this time from ancient manuscripts or different magical manuscripts. Mm-hmm. It's believed he was very heavily influenced by the Key of Solomon. Yes. Right, which is a book we often see from anyone who studies esoteric. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Witchcraft is one thing. Like, I never even heard of the Key of Solomon until I started looking more into the esoteric stuff. Right. Right? You could practice witchcraft for a decade and never even heard of the Key of Solomon. Exactly. But it's it, the esoteric it's side. It's a thing. Check it out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he also was ordained in the ancient British church, and that was so he could um, get involved with folks who are monotheists. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Which is interesting. Hmm. Uh, he took an interest in Druidry and joined in the ancient Druid order, um, attending rituals at Stonehenge. Right. Uh, he also had gotten involved with the Society for Psychical Research. Aha. Uh-huh. Mm. He got involved with Arnold Crowther uh-huh. and was introduced to Aleister Crowley uh-huh. right around the same time. Uh-huh. So we're talking like these are all the, you know, there's this thing we say sometimes big name pagans, the BPs, right. and right. You know, like Starhawk's a big name pagan. Everyone's right. heard of Starhawk, right? So we're talking about the BNPs of the 50s. Of, right. Of, Crowther and Gardner and Alistair Crowley, like, and mm-hmm. and most of what we're talking about is white men. Right. right let's be clear. Okay. Um, but most of these white men had wives who were just as involved. Yes. But are often sort of the forgotten surrogates. Mm-hmm. But a lot of what survives of modern Wicca is because of the hard work of these women, like Dorian, Dorian Valiente and mm-hmm. um, Margaret Murray and a, a bunch of these other mm-hmm. And it's interesting because one of the big things, the tenets of this is that in initiations, um, a male initiates a female, and then the female initiates the male. If you have children like your daughter, the female can initiate her daughter, the the male can initiate his son. But there is a distinct point of reference of the duality or the the binary binary process. Yeah in terms of that, and I believe if you can look at it with an equality and, you know, a balance, that's acceptable, but the one thing that has bothered me about the process, and dirty old men or not, mm-hmm. it's the idea that it is the feminine power yeah. that fuels it, just like you said, the women 
that the un, the forgotten wives that drove it right. that was on they honored the female the goddess but it was unfortunately in my opinion and it's my opinion um it was to use that energy right and to direct that energy and yes that is a male energy process but i don't feel that it was really as balanced as it was led to be believed personally well and this is a, a, a cult so to speak that was born of a tr- of a time where that was very much mm-hmm. the way that it was no matter whether this was some lineage of tradition mm-hmm. going back to the burning times or whether it was invented on an asset mm-hmm. trip in 1950 whatever mm-hmm. it it, it the tra- if the tradition started in the burning times, it would have shifted and changed and adjusted in order right. to stay alive. Exactly. And would have become more and more patriarchal. And if it was born from an acid trip in the 1950s, it would have been born in a time that was very patriarchal. Mm-hmm. So, of course, yes. there are overtones of that. Yes. Of course. And the the what we see later with the Dionic tradition or the the more goddess-based tradition is the balancing out of the process. So that's why I don't spend a lot of time getting pissed off. Okay. <laughs> you know, I I understand why. It's the beginning part. Right. And it has to go somewhere. It has to come out and be public somehow. And yeah. this was the yeah. the time. And the, you're right. The Dianic movement is in direct response uh-huh. to this. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Which is, you know, we'll get to that another day. Yeah. Yeah. But um, the thing that I did find interesting, other than obviously that, you know, you talked about Margaret um, Margaret Murray. Margaret Murray. Yeah. Um, they talk about that she, she had a lot of knowledge but not practicum. Yeah. Uh, Leland, of course, uh, he also yeah. did his, his work. And these are things, along with the Key of Solomon, that were very part of how Gardner put things together in a, a written form. Right. Yeah. Well, so, Charles Leland's Charles. much older. Yeah. So, and it's from a from also um, the more strega, the more goddess yeah. orientated on that side. Right. So this is a this is a quote from one of the the sources that I I was using, and I don't remember the source. Honestly, it's probably Wikipedia. But Mm -hmm. it says, Gardner's increasingly overt attempts at garnering media attention was one of the major reasons for rifts in his coven and others. Gardner introduced the Wiccan laws to his coven, which drastically limited the powers of the high priestess. And it goes on to say other things, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But I just think, his increasingly overt attempts at getting media attention. Right, yeah, right. So, you know, and throughout all of this, um, I think it was during Valente's book mm-hmm. that I, I was looking at, and I took a lot of notes, but it's it, they're, they're tedious in the sense that they're, you know, did he, how he did the Book of Shadows, and what was the requiem, and where it yeah. came from, and you can read that with also um, Janet Stewart's Farrar's, because they did yeah. dissect it, yeah. and I think we can leave it at not having to clutter the, the situation in that way, yeah. but that would give you a better idea how some of the arguments pro and con of where things came Sure, sure, and as time went on, you know, he connected to these names that that we still recognize, and mm-hmm. he met very powerful people in different spiritual mm-hmm. um 
realms, mm-hmm. one of those being the poet Robert Graves, who wrote The uh, the White Goddess. Yes. That became a huge book, and, and it's still used as reference material, and even though most of the information Robert Graves wrote about was complete and utter shite. Right. Most of it he made up or... or mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Made much more fanciful than the real, the real thing. Right. You know. Right. This maiden mother crone sort of concept comes from the white goddess, mm-hmm. which is did exist in one tradition, but not all of them. Not them all. Right. So, yeah. There's a there's a lot of interesting bleed over and shifting and changing and, um, but ultimately, overall, what I think is that there's a desire for old religion. There's mm-hmm. a desire for um, that mysticism that he experienced as a child in the mm-hmm. East mm-hmm. that was lost in England mm-hmm. in the fifties, right? In the, well, in the late eighteen hundreds, you know, there, right. that mysticism was gone with the Industrial Revolution. Yeah, and all because of that. it took it took away that one part of the the non physical yeah. experience that we continue to try and. Um, reconnect with when any of us start to uh, get into right. witchcraft and paganism and, and different aspects of right. it. So, um, and obviously, the, there you know, in terms of um, there was an, the eight Sabbaths. That was something that was interesting because technically that's really sketchy when it comes yep. to yep. the Gardnerian tradition. Right. I think it was the equinoxes that was a question. Yeah. So yeah. some of these things we take for granted on what we do right. are not technically what the Gardnerian tradition right. would be known for. Right. So, but as far as anything else that we can think of to give you as wonderful, oh, the one thing that I did find which is fascinating, and I always whenever there is a reference to Wilhelm Reich, I get all excited <laughs> because having been raised with a father who did. Reiki and therapy right. and all of this. I was in, you know, these books, the man, his his works, his thoughts were very much a part of my world. Sure. Um, it was one thing about the hand of glory. Yes. And I swear to you, I was looking at this and I was reading hand of glory, you know, flames from the fingertips. Right. 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 Now, there's a, there is a joke that I had with one of my sister, sister coven people. Right. Is that we wanted to shoot Flames from our hands, our fingertips, and shoot energy. And I'm sitting here reading this, and I'm laughing, going, now, obviously, we were in the computer graphic point of reference, and here's the same thing. But if you think of curly and photography, that has been now brought to the fore to actually see the aura. And Wilhelm Reich was given a fairly good little plug there about the fact that he was one of the few people at the at a certain point in time that was doing the research yeah. to bring about an actual um do I want to use the word scientific but we'll use that way of of being able to say there is something between the physical and the metaphysical world yeah. that is this energy right and it has been talked about in ancient times in different terms mm. and that was what the flames were right that kind of made me jacked up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Wilhelm, go for it. You know, but um, that's another one of those, you know, that, that Gardner went into right. different things. Right. 
Yeah, he was involved with the esoteric. He was mm-hmm. into it. He was mm-hmm. into it. Mm-hmm. Can't deny that. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. And you wanted to mention the witchcraft museum. Oh. Yeah. Yes. His his. You have the name. I cannot find it in my scribbled notes. You probably have better ones. So let's see. The original was the Folklore Center of Superstition and Witchcraft. That's it. And it was in on the Isle of Man. It opened in 1951. Mm-hmm. Um, Gardner and his wife lived there, and he was the resident witch. Oh, there you go. He was the resident witch. <laughs> <laughs> He's quoted in the Sunday pictorial saying, of course I'm a witch, and I've got get great fun out of it. <laughs> Of course he would. <laughs> Unfortunately, the museum was not a financial success. Mm-hmm. The relationship between Gardner and Williamson, who was his, Cecil Williamson, who was his partner, mm-hmm. suffered for it. Yes. So in 1954, he bought the rights from Williamson mm-hmm. and moved it to Bowcastle in Cornwall, uh-huh. and there it still is. Yes. You can go there and see Gerald Gardner's original shit. Yep. You can see all kinds of cool, witchy artifacts, both mm-hmm you know, assumed and, like, torture devices and stuff. Oh, good. I've had mm. several friends. I have not made it there myself yet, mm-hmm. but I, it's on my list. Mm-hmm. I've had several friends go, and it said it's worth the trip alone. Okay. So well, there, is, there is another point of reference. Yeah. Woohoo! Cornwall's really gorgeous. I have never been, but, you know, interesting enough is um, even though it's a small island in its own right, yeah. it is, you know, it's full, it's packed full, and depending on where you go, how much you're able to get in um, in terms of actually exploration. Right. So, and obviously, you know, there's uh, the the energies and the rituals and the festivals and the dances and, you know, there's all these different, you know, processes that were brought us to the basis of yeah. Gardnerian tradition. Right. So, um the things that we, as I say, have gotten used to. Now, do you want me to go into the degrees? Sure. Okay. Because one of the things they talk about is the degrees and what they represent. And there are three. Now, obviously, OTO, if I'm not mistaken, has many more, Mm -hmm. you know, in terms of that. But OTO is Order of Templis Oriandi. 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 Correctly. Something like that, which... But um, obviously, as Phoenix has said, first degree, it's basically um, initiation. It is, you know, there are certain things that, oh, we can also talk about these. You know, there's a binding, the blindfolding, the challenge, the accepted ordeal, um, you know, the removal of bonds and the blindfold, the anointing. Um, It's a death rebirth. I can either confirm. I know you're not. You're not. You're not going to say yay or nay. I'm not looking for you to do it. But you don't. You unless you go through the uh, first degree initiation, Mm -hmm. you cannot participate in any Gardnerian ritual. Exactly. If you you are either a Gardnerian or you are not, there's no. Well, I'm going to learn about it and then I'll decide. And I'll decide. No, it doesn't work. You need to. You need to actually um, do that. And then technically, now these are the ways it's described in terms of what I was reading. Mm -hmm. Your second degree is basically one where, again, you go through the, you go through being presented to the uh, watchtowers, you are, you you go through the binding, you go through getting permission to come in, but then what you wind up doing is getting scourged, which is ritual um, whipping, 
which I think... You should see the face Elvira made when she said ritual whipping. It was classic. Classic. Well, I'm going to give you a sidebar here. Among the things that happened in one of the uh, groups that I wound up in, and we were to make one. Yeah. We were to make our own scourge, yeah. and then it was used on us. And mm-hmm. so it was not a Gardnerian, so I can right. definitely say this was not part of it, but it was part of the tradition in terms of that. Yeah, scourging has become a thing in many traditions. Yeah. yeah. So it was, I found it interesting, and we had our clothes on, so it wasn't quite the same as how this would be done. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I certainly don't know what you're talking about. I know, you don't. So don't, don't, I mean, don't even think about this. And then, of course, you get the consecration with oils, and then the unbinding and the presentation for the second time uh, to the watchtowers, and you get to, you know, do your, your basic tools. Now, it's, you're given your witch name, and then after the initiation, um, you basically will, the priestess infuses the initiate with the power, and this is a deliberate act of magical um, transference. So this then, if you think about, and again, I'm going to go back to Reiki because Mm -hmm. this is a good way to to look at it, is the first level is usually one of just being able to give out the energy and the love and and, and just to to access it. The second one is where you actually can do, you are given that energy to be able to perform further parts of that um, engagement with the energy. And obviously, there's a whole long thing I don't need to go into about more of what they talked about. But the third degree was basically elevating you to a fully independent, answerable only to God or the gods. Mm. And you can basically start your own coven. Hive off. Hive off. And um, again, the thing that... (laughs) The thing that got really, I think, a lot of the people when they started hearing about this, this, I think a lot of it was um, some of the things about the, you know, the fivefold kiss, the the binding, you know, these were all things that were questioned, but they're symbolic. Yeah. And if taken from that point of reference and not relished as some BDSM process. Right. Then it's a, there is a meaning to this in the symbology of what the human goes through to raise their vibration and energy. Right. And I accept that as being, you know, like, oh, I get this. Yeah. So, um, and again, these are things that were written about Mm -hmm. by someone, whether it is totally true or not, I don't know. Right. Or someone broke their oath. Right. And and as far as the second and third degrees, I can't. She can't say. She can't say anything. And even if I knew, (laughs) but I don't don't know because I'm not. You're not there. Third degree. But what I wanted to touch on before we run out of time were oh. some of the things about Gardner that uh, that make him a questionable character. Mm-hmm. Um, he lied. He was um, fame hungry. Mm-hmm. Um, he told several different news organizations that he had uh, like a doctorate in philosophy, that he had a doctorate in literature. Uh, it was believed he said that he went to these specific universities, and mm-hmm. he didn't. Mm-hmm. And Doreen Valiente later commented on these things, and she felt it was because he was embarrassed about having a lack of education. Right. He came from an upper-middle-class family and was a civil servant and had very good jobs and um, and probably illegally sold opium at one point in his life, so he was very wealthy. Mm-hmm. But he didn't have 
these specific things, uh, these degrees. There is also some question about his Mason degrees. Uh-huh. And that he said he had a certain degree height in the uh-huh. Mason system uh, and that he actually didn't. Uh-huh. And some of the things that he would have had access to, like being a Scottish right uh-huh. master, you couldn't have done if you didn't have the high degree in the Mason system. Right. So there is a lot of doubt about what he actually mm-hmm. did, how far he actually got in some of these systems. Right. And as you mentioned earlier, the pieces that he borrowed from this tradition and this tradition and this tradition and sort of Frankensteined together something of his own, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Again, is that we're, we talk more and more about the cultural appropriation side of right. things, but none, none of these things are ancient indigenous Right. Systems. They're all systems created by a man with hierarchy for men. Right. Right. The women right. get to be in the auxiliary league. Yes. Right. So, and there are some folks who believe that Gerald Gardner was kind of an old perv mm-hmm. and that the reason, uh, you know, that there's a, 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 a high priestess and that everyone's naked and that all of these different things happen in ritual is because he wanted to be a perv, perv out on all of these young women. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's true. We have no way of knowing. Well, we have no way of knowing because, one, he died in 1961. Right. And, two, whatever he did was secret because of right. what the vows and oaths were. So, However, the women that he did work with and mm-hmm. the women that he initiated and mm-hmm. the women that were his high priests have never said anything about impropriety. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, in fact, they were more upset about him trying to be famous and make witchcraft this mainstream thing mm-hmm. rather than anything that he may have done in- inappropriate from a sexual nature with Right. Him. So there is something to be said about that, although, again, in the 50s and 60s, it was a different world. Right. Women may not have felt as comfortable in coming forward. Right. But this is a tradition that still lives. Yes. So and it's it's in you know it's all over the world. Yeah, and literally. literally. Yeah, literally. So. Yeah. But um, so yeah, this you know again all the different things that we've talked about again and again is this is about the idea that something that has vows and oaths and things we can't break those right inappropriately, but it does have which leads to a lot of speculation. So. What you what you find and where you go when you get into it, if you choose to, it is going to be then that you decide and and really know what right. it is. And that's the thing with any tradition of witchcraft. And I've been involved with different traditions where I thought, oh, this is where I belong. This is uh-huh. I'm learning so much. I'm loving this. And then something shifted and changed, and I realized this actually isn't serving me anymore. Uh-huh. And it's time for me to move on. Uh-huh. And that's okay. Yes. Right. Yes. And. and I haven't been involved with Gardnerian all that long in the great scope of my road of paganism and witchcraft. Uh-huh. This is very new for me. Uh-huh. And it, I'm enjoying learning the history of the craft of modern witchcraft. Uh-huh. I'm enjoying learning the history and, the, and getting immersed in the rituals. Uh-huh. Is it my forever tradition or my only tradition? Absolutely uh-huh. not. It's not my only tradition. Uh-huh. I like to be eclectic. Uh-huh. And, and you have to try different things on before mm-hmm. you figure out what fits right for you. Mm-hmm. And if you become, it, again, it is the same thing of people call it dilettante and some people call it, you know, not being serious when you go from one to the other. But, you know, here's the thing. When we choose to only eat yeah. 
American cuisine, hamburgers and, you know, steaks, and we never try an Asian meal, right. we are sorely limiting our experience of this world. Right. So to me, yeah. Um, experiencing yeah. these things is important, and it is if it fits, it may say something to you at that moment yeah. for your transition in your life at that moment and then on moving on. Right, and there's a difference between... Oh, I'm a Gardnerian, which this week, and I'm an Alexandrian, which next week, and I'm uh-huh. a Druid the week after uh-huh. that, and now I'm in, in an Egyptian, and now I'm a uh-huh. Rosicrucian. Like, it's different when you're jumping from stem to stem to stem. Right. But if you are taking a moment and immersing and learning and discovering uh-huh. and then realizing, oh, actually, this isn't for me, uh-huh. that's okay. Right. It's part of life and part of our spiritual journey is that, is seeking and learning and finding right. the different places that that feed us, right? and sometimes they stop, right. and we have to move on. Right. You know? And with that, yeah, I think we on. have to move on, too. Oof. But next week we'll be back, and we will be doing the more again. That feisty Irish lady. Oh, boy, am I going to have a lot of fun with that. Yeah. Yeah. So, and obviously, a time of enjoyment and go out and read and find and experience. Yes. A beautiful weekend. A beautiful weekend. A Happy good Memorial Day. Week. Ah! <laughs> Was it? Did we say jinx? I don't think so. <laughs> okay. Right. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Witch, The Priestess, and The Cauldron, a radio podcast on the LMC Radio Network. Our podcast airs live every Friday at 6 p.m. Pacific and will be available for download. Questions or comments on this show or ideas for upcoming shows can be sent to our website, and that's at www.witchpriestesscauldron.com. Again, that's witchpriestesscauldron.com. On behalf of Elvira, Phoenix, Alan, and myself, Gwion Raven, a big merry meet and merry part and merry meet again. Blessed be. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.